Hello friends, this is Janice and welcome to In Full Flow where we approach work-life balance for folks with female biology in actionable ways. In the last episode, we opened our series on wake-up rituals and practices, also known as morning routines, with the inspiration episode. We dove into the gaslighting of how morning people are considered more disciplined and hardworking and therefore more successful, and in that binary, how the rest of us who aren't early birds must just suck. Well, guess what? That piece of patriarchal nonsense is based on male biology. You might want to check out that same episode to identify your cues and anchoring habits in your own morning routine. As part of this episode, we're going to build on those cues as we talk about designing a wake-up routine that honors you. Just as a refresher for this podcast, we talk about each topic in a cycle of four phases. The second episode in the four-part series is our implementation phase episode, and it correlates to the summer season, which is also the full moon, and the ovulation phase in a menstrual cycle. So here in the design and implement a system phase of the series, we'll look at where you can modify your current wake-up practice to be more intentional to give you room to be human and therefore be more successful and make this a sustainable practice, as well as to be supported and supportive. So shall we implement? Oh, we shall. Hi there, this is Janice. And Jessica, and you're listening to In Full Flow a show about how to find true work-life balance for people who aren't men. Because the vast majority of advice out there about how to succeed in business and life is rooted in male biology. So if you were born with female neurology and biology, like ovaries, uteruses, and the female pelvis, or if your body runs on the estrogen-progesterone hormone operating system, usually called the menstrual cycle, or you care about someone who does, this show is for you. All of those tips and tricks about how to be high-achieving, high-performing, and productive while also being fit, healthy, and happy come from systems built by men for men. But women aren't small men, and we need to stop beating ourselves up about that. So if you've ever tried and failed at the latest fitness craze or even old standby career advice for highly effective people, maybe it's not that you couldn't hack it. Maybe it's that the advice wasn't designed for you. So join us on our journey as we call BS on all the bad advice preached to women based on male biology and unpack the systems of bias and privilege to find the habits, strategies, and mindsets that might actually work for you. And if you like what you hear, join us in our Facebook group to continue the conversation. Enjoy the show. Today we are talking, continuing to talk about wake-up rituals and wake-up practices. We're in the implementation phase. We're going to spend a couple of minutes talking about what is the implementation episode. Looking at morning rituals, morning rituals, wake-up rituals, why do we want them so much in our lives? What's our motivations around them? And then with the small man, the small man lens is where is the information coming from? Who is it really designed for? Whether it was intentional or unintentional, is it designed for a specific group of people 
particularly a person with a quote unpaid personal assistant (laughs) slash wife or spouse or woman assistant or personal assistant or enter any um any female relative or person paid or unpaid who in the 19th century when you were hiring a worker pretty much had a staff at home we'll just say staff um, and so, you know, you had someone who took care of the home life and, and it was a very gendered thing. And so if you were a worker, you worked and you didn't really take care of the home life. And so now for many folks, um, whether they are born with male or female biology or where they ever, they identify in the gender spectrum, they're running into this conflict at work is if you don't have that division of labor, whether it's the person with female biology, who's the quote unquote primary breadwinner, you've probably heard that phrase before. And then the person, the um, person with male biology or not male biology or so some other, regardless of how these quote unquote gender norms are now actually playing out based on biology or based on gender, that is still how the workforce is specifically set up is the idea that there is this primary breadwinner. And there's some very gendered things around that. But with that comes a primary breadwinner. And then when you pay the the salary for the primary breadwinner, you get the benefit of the unpaid labor of whomever is the partner at home holding, quote unquote, down the home front, down, down the fort. And that is something I don't think personally gets discussed enough at all about anything having to do with work life balance. So you'll hear us talk about this a lot. By the way, this is Jessica. Since Janice introduced herself earlier, I should probably say that this is me. And it plays out in everything. And that's what we mean by not a small male lens um, is when you're listening to advice and when someone's talking to you, do they understand this? Are they giving the advice that worked in their lives, which is how a lot of our influencer culture works now? Hey, this worked for me and it's now worked for my followers, but let's forget the fact that my followers kind of gravitate towards me because they kind of look like me and have the same life circumstances because neurology and neuroscience and psychology and psychiatry all tell us that we tend to have friends who are like us. This is one of the problems with also with hiring. We tend to hire people who are like us. So we also tend to follow people who are like us and the followers of folks tend to be like them. So you can get into this kind of vicious cycle of following folks or someone gets really big and they have this idea and everyone's talking about it. It's supposed to be the solution to everything because they've become so big. And if you step back, you're like, is that, does that work for all people? It, do you even consider whether or not it works for all people? Or you just assume that your advice works for all people because it's worked for all your followers and you haven't really tested it on anyone else, or you haven't tested it outside of American culture. Cause this podcast, we're both Americans, or I should say we're both United States citizens <laughs> because Americans also has, you know, there, there's other people in North and South in America. America. <laughs> um, but you know, it also like very centric to the U S so has this even been tested outside of U.S. culture? Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of the not a small man lens. It could also be the like not patriarchy lens. <laughs> did, I, did I miss anything on that? Um, oh, just the thing that if it's uh, these single solutions, mm-hmm. right, to, to consider if the person it's being written for 
or the system itself, is it designed for, um, for life happening? So if you are, for instance, a caregiver, or you like you have kids at home, or you have end up in a pandemic during 2020 and everything in your life changes. <laughs> like, is this system supposed to be maintained through all these things? Or if I, um, if I have a bad night of sleep or mm-hmm. if I get sick, um, is this system supposed, is the success, is my success in a quote, everything predicated on the success of doing this routine exactly even on days when, as prescribed, as prescribed, <laughs> even on days that, um, that life, I say life is happening. Life is always happening, but on days where life can disrupt that, um, that perfectionism, that, that streak. Yeah. When I was in project management, one of the things that used to drive me nuts the most was this belief that systems would fix everything, forgetting that people interact with the systems. And sometimes people were quote unquote, the widgets, the people who implemented the parts of the system. And you see that a lot where it just doesn't acknowledge life. It doesn't acknowledge that someone got stuck behind a major car accident that caused, you know, uh, when, when we still commuted, that caused their commute to be an hour longer than normal. And therefore they didn't start on time. And therefore like, is there flexibility built into this? Because a lot of the times you hear systems, you hear really rigid rules and it's guilt-ridden and there's like language around it that can be very shame-driven. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're a success if you do it and you're a failure if you don't. Like there's no, there, there's literally no flexibility built into the system for the fact that sometimes, um, I don't want to swear, but it starts with an S, S happens. Uh, things outside of your control happen. That's the other aspect is a lot of these systems assume you have absolute control over everything in your life. And that quite frankly is not true of any human I know. <laughs> it's, it's even harder if you have jobs or duties where, as Janice mentioned, caregiving, where like part of what you do is responsive to other people. So it's even less helpful for, for folks in whether that's a job duty in work or a personal like um role like parenting or caregiving. Um, so it also doesn't acknowledge that at all. But yeah, a lot of these systems are so rigid that they have no flexibility for humans being humans. So when you're looking at the morning routine that you want to adopt um, or the success, be- success pieces that you want to implement into your wake-up ritual, then just consider where who it's being written by um, and who's, who it's being written for and how much of that applies to you. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to change yourself to make it more perfect. The system that works for you is, um, shouldn't require that of you, so, which moves me into our next part about the implementation episodes is that the system, the system that you ultimately build for yourself has to honor yourself <laughs> has to honor <laughs> you. It has to be able to be, especially, you know, identify for with you. Female. Yeah. With no female. cookie cutters <laughs> built for you. It has to be for you, <laughs> which means in some cases it needs to be, it needs to have flexibility built into it mm-hmm. to accommodate for instance, phases in a menstrual cycle or having um, 
accommodate life. <laughs> like we were talking about life happening earlier, times when you're sick or times when you had a bad night of sleep or had to take care of somebody else, um, anything that can happen. So being able to accommodate things like that and has, has range built in. So one way is to do it is to, to, to plan it with ranges. So to create the system with, um, with a minimum range, I mean, minimum and a maximum range usually. Yes. Yes. Minimum effective dose. And how, how much doing this, like at what point do you stop getting benefits? So I see so many things where it's like, okay, start with one, one a day, then the next day is two, then the next day three. And there's nothing wrong with building up time, but there also just seems to be this glorification of doing more to do more. Like if you're doing more, you must, it must be better. And you're like, well, no, that's where this idea of minimum effect, effective doses, a minimum effective dose in medicine is the least amount you need to do to get the maximum benefit, right? So we're using this kind of two ways. One, what's the smallest thing I can do every day in this morning ritual that helps me continue this habit so that I, I can do it and I can keep, you know, building this habit, especially when you're in the early phases of building a habit because you, your practice and doing it over and over again is how you rewire your brain. So what's that smallest thing I can do? And then also working out for yourself over time, maybe that smallest changes a little bit because you discover a little bit more is actually like the smallest dose that gets you an effect. So this is the other thing. And this is another thing that doesn't get talked about as much in medicine as it, sh as it should be is how important dosage is. Like dosage generally in medicine for medications is based on things like your age and body weight. Um, so, you know, doses for children are smaller than they are for adults type thing. So I think dosage is also a really important thing to figure out because the three categories that we talked about last week for the boxes of what you might build your morning uh, ritual or wake up practice on is, you know, pumping it up. So getting your heart rate up, you know, that's a lot of exercise, calming your nervous system down. It could be breath work or meditation, for example, uh, writing stuff down. You know, that's both journaling practice to get the stuff out of your brain, or maybe that's some form of gratitude practice, or maybe it's some form of planning, like, you know, the do the one thing. So as you eventually build up a wake up, a wake up routine, a wake up ritual, you will probably want one of each in your full, full ritual, right? And you will find out over time, what's the minimum effective dose of each one for you. And that also effective dose can change based on where you are in your cycle. So that that's another part that never gets talked about because everything's talked about like the 24 hour circadian, circadian male hormone biology system. <laughs> Yay, biology. I had to bring it in at some point. <laughs> What also happens in this implementation, this and every implementation episode is um, we're going to talk about setting up the systems or setting up the environment. Um, it makes it easier for us to maintain either to start the habit or maintain a habit. So in the case of um, wake up practices, uh, well, before we get into it, I think we have to start, talk about habit cycle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you want to do the habit cycle? Yeah. Um, actually, I'm going to need some help with this one. So okay. um, with the habit cycle, which is uh, taken from Charles, we're thinking his name is Duhigg. 
probably should have looked that up, but right. sorry, Charles. <laughs> in power of habit, we're going to link you on the bottom. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> there are four steps in building a habit. And the first one is identify the routine, which is what we did in the last episode and what we're doing here. The, I, the routine we're talking about, particularly in this case, is a um, morning routine or a wake-up practice, wake-up habit. Um, Next is experiment with rewards. Third is isolate the cue. And fourth is to have a plan. So implementation is covering. We did we did most of the identification in the last episode yep. on morning routines. Um, but we, implementation, go ahead. Oh, we also did isolate the cue. Um, so the cue is kind of like Frequently, it's something you already have in a habit, but it's that first action. So we talked last time about, hey, the first when everyone tells you do something first thing in the morning and they forget to mention things like getting up, brushing your teeth, washing your face, peeing and maybe making your bed like you might already have. This is I mean, this is already a foundational wake up routine, wake up morning routine, wake up ritual. You're already doing it. So the cue would be picking one of those things that you can then hang these new things you want to add on to your routine, add on to your ritual onto. So the cue is always like the start of your new routine or your new habit. Um, so we did identify some of those last week. That's right. And it was part of the action steps, action mm -hmm. steps also <clears throat> that um, I know this is the case with me. I always think that I don't, the systems, <laughs> The system's literature always leads me to believe that I don't have the thing, that I don't have a system, when in fact, I already do, most of us already have a system in place, but it's just not working out for us. Pieces yeah. of it are not working out for us. So my cue, like you probably already have a cue, what we've been calling an anchoring habit in this case. And, um, and um, that was part of last week's action yeah. steps too. Yeah. Identifying that. Mm -hmm. And then have a plan is pretty much this implementation week is like, this is what we're talking about where have a plan, including your minimum effective dose um, so that you can do this plan as often as possible because repetition does build a habit and does, you know, change your neurology. So you're likely to do it. I would add the one ca caveat is one of the things when I talk with clients about wake up rituals and versus morning routine, like this is one of the word distinctions I make is a morning routine can be purely habit driven. It can also be a lot like checking things off the boxes. And in some ways, some of those are true, like some health things, you do them every day and that's all the benefit doing the thing is all the benefit you need to get. Um, but for some of the more less body and biology things and more like emotional and psychological. Um, and, you know, you think of what mind, body, spirit. So maybe the mind and the spirit aspects, um, intention behind doing the thing versus just the pure habit rote doing of it can be really important. So that's one, one maybe tweak to this model that we would add is that you want to experiment with your intent behind doing these actions, because sometimes the example I gave last time was making a cup of coffee or I make tea. I can do that by habit. I can have a million things running through my head or I can take that as my mindful moment, you know, my thing, my calm, calm myself, my system down box and watch, you know, listen to the water boil, 
stare out the window and see what's in my yard that morning, smell the tea. Like I can take those five ish minutes and actually turn it into something with my intent, or I can do it by sheer rote habit. So this is probably where we're, we're verging a little from just, just the ha- the habit idea because you don't, you don't want it to just be habitual. You don't want it to be mindless. You want it to be mindful. I was just thinking also in that coffee or tea habit, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to, I- the intention is if, if your intention is to make that um, a pump it up mm-hmm. session, mm-hmm. you can do some like quick marching in place some jump jacks you could or you could just play that song that gets you supercharged perfect right that that like gets you up you know everyone I think has probably done this at least at some point in their life maybe when you were younger before you went out for an evening with friends you played that song in the car that you all like rocked out to um yeah so you could you could do that too like that's part of it is that I think too often morning routines as are prescribed by folks are this huge laundry list of things. And like Jenna said, it's like, do this thing. Let's not acknowledge that you might already be doing things. Well, why don't we acknowledge what you're already doing and we tweak what you're doing? That is so much easier adapting existing habits as long as you do it consciously so you know you're doing it is so much easier than building something from scratch. So much easier. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you have your cues already built in, like your your anchoring habits might already be in there. Mm -hmm. So now as far as identifying your why, um, this is kind of identifying, this will help you identify the intention around what these, what you want this wake up, wake up routine to, to do for you, to do for you. (laughs) Not be the laundry list, not the mindless, the mindful. This is like the, why are you really doing it? right? Not just why someone has told you, you should do it. I love shoulds. Um, uh, why you'll be healthier, better, or happier if you do blank. And one of the que- first questions is like, will you really, is this, and, and this was the, the small man lens earlier. Like you have to ask that question of like, will you really? And then maybe there is still a nugget of gold in what this person is saying. And, and you've now found your why, like you found the nugget of gold and you understand why you want to do this other than it's been prescribed by someone who is supposedly more happy, wealthy, healthy, successful than you. And therefore you should listen to what they say. Mm-hmm. So it, when we identify our why and our intentions around the routine, when we have a, when we have a day where I can't have, like, I can't have coffee now, I can't have coffee because, you know, have caffeine. a right either maybe it's <laughs> caffeine maybe it's a digestive thing or whatever it is um not being thrown off at that point because I can't do my coffee routine in the morning right mm-hmm. so but what was my intention with the coffee routine what was I trying to do was I trying to pump it up was I trying to comp it, calm it down or we do I take that <laughs> I think caffeine really comes you. Yeah, I think most people are trying to wake up with a caffeine routine. I think pump it up is the appropriate box there. <laughs> some people, well, okay. So this is good. Like some people, like I know some people who have like identified, oh, it was the warm water and the ritual mm. of, yep. you know, doing the drip coffee thing or whatever it is that was the 
calming and pumping up part of the day, <laughs> right? So maybe it's maybe it's warm water or maybe it's tea since I can't do the thing, but it does not mean failure automatically because I can't do, I'm not breaking the chain. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm putting some bend in bre- don't break the chain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's always... Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's one of the things I loved when I was first introduced to the Buddhist concepts in college, which was that the Buddha was very clear to his disciples. Don't take anything I say on faith, experiment yourself and figure out what works for you. And that is a lens that I have tried to apply in all sorts of areas of my life, because, you know, you, your, your life, your experience is unique. Your biology is unique. These one prescription things do not work if they did we would not have say some of the health epidemics that we have. We like, we know this, we would all be, we would not need self-help an entire billion dollar industry if these one prescription models worked. So that's why it's so important to like foundationally come back to your why, you know, why are you engaging with something that's pumping up your system? Why do you want to calm yourself down? Why do you want to write things down? What, what are you hoping to get from it? And sometimes it's an experiment it can be, I think this is going to do X. People have said it. It sounds reasonable. And you might decide, discover that, yeah, in fact, that does do X for you. Or you might discover it doesn't, but it does Y, which was equally benefit beneficial. Or you might discover, nope, that did nothing for me. <laughs> and all of those are valid. That's, I think, another part that is not talked about is systems are ever evolving because your life circumstances are ever evolving. They're not static. They're not set in stone. There is no one right way. So when you have found your why for why you're doing these things, you can constantly evolve your system as your life circumstances change. And that to me is much more effective and much more helpful than if I do all of these things, this checklist, then of course my life will turn out blank because I've been promised that. So let's move on to, um, now that hopefully you've identified your why, you've got some (laughs) places to go with identifying your why and your intentions around Mm -hmm. your wake up routine. Um, Let's look at creating the environment so that it supports you. So that could be, we're going to talk about this um, in every implementation (laughs) episode. Um, But in this case, what are some uh, what are some things that you can put in place that so, that can support you in maintaining or starting this habit and and sustaining it? So one thing to note that I think is really super special is that um, it's the implementation phase, which is the ovulation phase mm-hmm. in the menstrual cycle. And What's the famous phrase? <laughs> Do you mean create when you ovulate? Because who loves now's alliteration? The, I love alliteration. Now's the time. Now's the time. <laughs> now's the time. Um, <laughs> to create when you ovulate, which is kind of to say, for many of us, we're more social during, I know for myself, more social during the ovulation phase. Um, so this might be a good time. If, if you're in that phase, it might be a good time to ask for support around, um, ask people around you. So to engage with other people, yeah. <laughs> um, to yes. support you in this and in, in forming this habit and sticking this habit. Yeah. The, the ovulation phase is a lot about creation, but also communication. So that's why it's great when you ovulate. So, you know, anything that involves communication, so that's being social, 
Um, if you're an introvert person, maybe maybe this gives you the little literal biological boost to ask for support. Um, as Janice put it, it might also just that you, there is a s certain surge of energy that goes with this. So that might also like be a little kick in the pants <laughs> to like go and do the thing, you know, so you've thought about it and you want to create an environment that helps you support this goal. So for example, if we go back to a classic one of BJ Fogg of Tiny Habits, um, he gives this example when he wanted to create a tea routine. Uh, he talked about how, you know, you invest like he went out and bought some teas and a nice mug and a hot water um, maker. That's not the right word. Electric kettle. I think that's the word I want. Hot water yeah. maker. <laughs> really, Jessica. Um, he, you know, he, he invested a little time. He did that one weekend. And on Monday, he invested a little time to set up a tea station, a tea station in his office. So it was easy for him to do the habit of drinking more tea versus all just walking to the pre-made coffee that was in the break room, right? So this might be a great time to use that creative spark of the create when you ovulate to like brainstorm what you might want to change in your environment that helps support this new routine. Um, so we have talked about getting up, washing your face and brushing your teeth. If the routine, if the ritual you wanted to start after that for say pumping it up was to go for a walk, maybe you put your walking shoes and a change of clothes in your bathroom the night before. You've set up your environment, you've set up in order to support what you wanna do next. And so this can be also asking for support. You might need someone in your environment to help you with that, like you know, kids or family members or partners to like help you do these things. Um, maybe just warning them, I'm going to be putting clothes there. Please leave them there. <laughs> this is not a new play thing for you. <laughs> Please don't dress in mommy's clothes or dad's clothes or, you know, gender neutral clothes because they're now sitting in the bathroom before I go to bed. <laughs> it's also, I was just thinking about this, like, um, if I'm going to take a walk in the morning, I need to make sure, like, if you've got kids young enough that they can't be left at home alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That there is a responsible that individual a responsible yeah. <laughs> adult. <laughs> so to coordinate that in your household with, with whoever you have to, um, sometimes I call it, I don't, I don't call it social accountability. It's now known as social accountability, but um, having a check-in person, um, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody in your home, but hopefully it's somebody who um, you want to create this the way we maintain it is not through, through guilt or shame or competitiveness. So somebody who is going to reinforce the, um, the benefits, um, and, uh, of, of the habit you're trying to create without making you feel bad about it. Um, so if you're, if you or the other, or your accountability partner is, um, doesn't want the call in the morning, doesn't want to talk to people in the morning. Mm -hmm. It could be just a check, a text check-in um, to see how it went or, hey, are you up yet? Or um, which route are you going to take? Yeah. Something like that. <clears throat> yeah. So I've also heard support buddy, if you don't like the mm -hmm. phrase accountability partner. Um, and the, the key distinction for me here is there are a lot of, let's just call them hyper-competitive male models. I'm sure you have all encountered the perhaps work workplace sponsored um, competition where you all throw in money and you're all supposed to 
lose weight for the new year. And then whoever wins, whoever loses the most wins, right? Like that is a, an aspect or a way of doing social accountability. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice about how I phrase this. Um, it's perhaps not a particularly supportive way. Um, and it plays into, you know, very male biology based models and also very much toxic masculinity and patriarchy and, you know, win at all costs type things. Um, so yes, we're talking about social accountability models that are not like that. <laughs> the, hence the not competitive, the not shame driven, the not guilt driven, you know, something that actually helps you on the days it's hard or the day maybe you quote unquote failed, like life happened and you're like, damn, I didn't manage, sorry, I didn't manage to do my, my minimum effective dose. I really tried hard, but I didn't manage to do it. You probably don't need guilt or shame there. You need someone to cheer you on. You need mm -hmm. someone to help like support you emotionally, not make you feel worse about yourself than you already are. Right. Someone who's going to make sure like, you'll get it the next day. <laughs> or you'll yeah. get it when you're ready. Or maybe you lower the, or suggest that maybe you lower the minimum effective, right? Maybe the minimum effective for this week <laughs> needs to be a little lower. <laughs> or gives you the grace. Like I have this mm -hmm. conversation a lot with um, folks on food um that i work with and so we're going to do a whole episode on that so don't don't worry um actually a four-part series but there are parts in your cycle where your calorie count changes where you might need a couple more calories and that's where lots of folks with female biology fall off the fall off like they're perfect meeting their goals because no one told them that maybe right now they need 100 to 200 more calories than they did two days before and that they will need three three days from now and you can have the snack the snack does not make you bad the snack is like the thing that gets you over the hump the snack may be biologically necessary so maybe you were trying to do your do a walking thing every morning and you slept in because life happened the night before or in you got woken up at two in the morning or you couldn't sleep well well you know sometimes biology happens and being graceful and accepting that and taking care of yourself for that is how you turn around the next day and say, okay, I can do this. Rather than what tends to happen is the all or nothing approach of I failed at this, therefore I'm going to do, I'm going to give up or I'm going to not do this. Or it just creates this cascading effect because I've decided that a shift in my routine equals failure versus life happening action steps? Yes. I think we need to move on to action steps as we close up this episode. Um, first, um, what have you identified as an anchoring habit in, well, actually you would have done this already. <laughs> you had done this last week, right? What have you identified as your anchoring habit in, in your wake up routine? So, and is it a pump it up, a calm it down or a write it down, or maybe a combination of a couple of these. Um, since you've identified it, now identify your why and intentions around this routine. Um, what, what do you want it to do for you? What do you really want it to do for you as opposed to having the laundry list of boxes to check first thing when and you wake up? that first may actually be asking like i'm doing this thing maybe you have a strong exercise habit i'm doing this thing you might ask yourself what am i actually getting out of it mm -hmm. how does it make me change feel does this make me feel energized does this make me feel accomplished like 
you may, for many of these things, if you already have some aspect in your life, asking yourself, not what you've been told it should do for you, but what it actually does for you on a regular basis. And I'll challenge you on the second part, as we start going through the phases of the cycle, you might notice if you start keeping track that what it does for you is different depending on where your hormones are at. And that's really useful to know because that expands your toolkit of like how to manage the shifts in your mind, body, and spirit, your energy levels, your biology throughout your cycle, because you know how you're reacting to the same stimulus at different times in your cycle. It'll help also help you identify what is the minimum effective dose for this habit. So when you're in a low energy situation, what's the minimum you can set up for yourself to do as long as I do this much on, on any wake up on any day, Mm -hmm. then, um, I can feel successful and I can feel like I am continuing the habit. I haven't broken the chain. Or on the flip side, while we never want you to not honor that your body needs rest, there will be times life happens and you need to give that big presentation that day. So perhaps what's the habit that can kind of artificially boost your biology and get you through that? knowing that you might be paying a little bit more of a biological price. So resting later in the evening, you know, later on that day might become even more critical, like just so that you actually have the tools to effectively move yourself through your day. Um, you want to use one of these, uh, what's the cue or the anchoring habit? It kind of goes with it already. We've talked about it already um, in this episode, the anchoring habit that you're stacking on the, um, the intention or the, what am I missing here? The cue you already have. The cue you already have. The brush your teeth, the pee, the wash your face, the making a cup of coffee, the letting your dog out the door or dog or cat out the door first thing in the morning so they can go do their business. Like there is probably something you're already doing that is part of how you get up every morning or every evening or whenever you get up, um, when you wake up. And so that, that's a cue you can stack onto. And you may already have a pump it up, a calm it down, or write it down, have it stacked onto that. And then you just take something from one of the other boxes and you you do what's called habit stacking. You just keep on stacking onto them until you have your quote unquote full routine as it would be called. Um, so yeah, playing around with what are those? What are those, those things that you already do every day? So you're not struggling to find something new. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to create something brand new from scratch in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. Then the last part of this is what we've already talked about, looking at the environment and the support for that habit, um, whether you have to kind of build a station or a designated area where all the stuff to make it happen Lives. is there. <laughs> so, whether, home. <laughs> so I don't have to, I, I want to have a journaling habit, but if every morning the journal is moving around and I cannot, I have to search for the journal for 10 mm-hmm. minutes, then what's, um, the, it's more likely that I'm not going to be able to say, sustain that. But every night um, it ends up in the same place every night in preparation for the next day. Um, so what are some things in the environment or in a support, like in a social network or in your social accountability, your support buddy um, to help make this habit sustainable? Or in your personal relationships, as Janice mentioned earlier, like you may need to recruit someone else so that you can do some of the activities you want to do, especially if you have 
any form of dependent, whether it is small children um, or even older children, whether it's some other caregiving role or, you know, even pets. <laughs> I have, I, I used to have a dog. He passed away during COVID. And uh, let's just say that I loved him, but yoga with him was not so easy. Anytime I was on the floor trying to do any form of exercise, I had to recruit someone else to be like, can you, can you like, can you handle Ford for a little bit? Because if I close the door, he sits outside whimpering, which is really not effective for me being able to focus. And as he got older, um, he started thinking he was missing people. So he went from whimpering to howling. We called it the howl, the mournful dog, which was loud enough to like wake up the entire household. So that was also a challenge. <laughs> and this is how life evolves. Like my habits changed. My, my wake up routine changed because of, of how his lived experience as he aged and he declined at the end changed. And my wake up routine was flexible enough to do that because I'd, I'd had a lot of these thoughts and had thought about what my minimum effective dose is. And could I do a different calm down exercise in the morning where he could be with me, which usually ended up being like meditation or breath work. And I moved my movement component to something that there was another person around when I wanted to do yoga and they could entertain the dog. <laughs> they could reassure him that I was not lost and, and had not abandoned him. <laughs> That's a good idea though. Besides minimum effective dose, um, having some backups for variability mm -hmm. yeah. or that can evolve depending on what your day is, how your day is starting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I personally have found things in all three of those categories that work for me and I know how effectively they work for me at different parts of my cycle. Um, some of them are things that used to work really well when I lived in a different living situation and now they don't work as well. Uh, some of them disappeared during the pandemic because that living situation changed for all of us. And I, I found some whole new ones that I did just out of sheer necessity. And so some of those will be coming back now that, you know, eventually I will be back able to go about and move about the world in ways I used to. Um, but that's that's what we that's what we mean about this. And that's why we want you to really understand your whys and your intents and all of those things because long what's it, the one size fits all just gives you no room. And it's what self-help and medicine and fitness and diet culture and productivity culture and, you know, all the business books, they're so based on the one size fits all. And that's just not effective. <laughs> you don't need to do it. Like, so try some of this out, experiment mm -hmm. with yourself, check let, yourself. Let us know how it goes. And exactly. And next week we will be talking about rewards and results. Thank you. Thank you for listening to In Full Flow. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our podcast with a friend to get the word out about how we can stop living life like small men and start living life in full flow. And don't forget to join us over in the In Full Flow Facebook group to continue the conversation.